Hello, and welcome to That RoundNet Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike White from Lefty On 2. Of course, the other two hosts are Gavin Brokema of Revived RoundNet and Scott Beeks. Our topic today is the money flow in RoundNet. It's also a special episode for us because we have our first guest. This guest is none other than Buddy Hammond. Buddy Hammond has been competing in RoundNet at the highest level since 2012 and has too many podium finishes to count. Hammond is also one of, if not the, best defenders in the sport. In 2021, Hammond brought his RoundNet career to a new level, winning both the California and Garland tour stops with Clark Marshall as assistive touch. This pair then went on to finish third at Nationals, and we'll be seeing them again in 2022. We thought that his long RoundNet journey would make him a perfect guest for this topic, and he was. The four of us talked through different ways money flows through RoundNet, like equipment, clinics, and sponsorships. And then we had a nice free-flowing conversation about our experiences surrounding branding, social media, and just the topic as a whole. I had a great time recording this, and I hope you enjoy listening. The last thing before we get into it is a shout-out to our Instagram, at that RoundNet Podcast. Give that a follow if you haven't to keep up with everything and to interact with us. With that said, let's get into it. First and foremost, we know obviously with equipment and merchandise, Spikeball has been the big name. Uh, we also have Revol, Rash, Zero Balance, all of these equipments popping up. Where do you guys think uh, equipment is going to be headed in the future and uh, what do we have to say about where it's at currently? Yeah, I, I can start off, I guess, with uh, Roundit being the sport it is. You pretty much just need a set and you're good to go. I mean, you can, of course, have all the additional accessories, which, you know, Spikeball and uh, Rashball and these companies offer. But in general, you do just need a set. And that's why, you know, we love Roundnet the way we do. You can buy a set and you're good to go. Um, but that's also a problem and potentially limiting the money within Roundnet because once you have that set, you literally are not forced to buy any more equipment or buy any more apparel, merchandise, or accessories. And that's can sort of stop the money flow within RoundNet, as to say. That's interesting. I think that's also kind of a, a different thing here where, you know, for example, I, so I don't really know much about who's behind things besides Spikeball or Revel um, or Revol. So I'll say Revel. That's what I say. So sorry if you uh, don't think um, <laughs> Right. I know who's behind that. And it seems like that's right. That's a way to make money. But um, it's not something just an everyday person can kind of do outside of like, you know, reselling those as like the ambassador program, uh, etc. Um, I think there's kind of a difference between which we could talk about, like the straight up equipment itself and kind of like accessory equipment around that. Um, and kind of like they are different things. But like you said, like that's not just a thing everyone can do. Um, and it's kind of does stop semi money flow going around. So, so I'll jump in and talk about it because it's, it's an obvious movement that a lot of people are considering. And I think from a novelty standpoint, a, like an obvious play, an obvious area to go with Revolves made kind of this, this new different kind of set, um, like it or not. And with, with all these, I mean, and then also we have Spikeball doing a different approach where we're not making necessarily a new set, but we're ma doing like a Duncan set or a Blackout or we had the Unicorn, pre unicorn previously, uh, introducing uh, not only novelty into the sport, but uh, utility. So uh, 
I mean, we, we had the podcast previously where we talked about the optimal state of Roundnet, but what, what kind of things can we do and what kind of uh, merchandise and products can be brought in that would uh, provide both the utility as well as that kind of novelty aspect? Do uh, you guys have any takes on that? Um, the thing that came to mind for me is them using, you know, with like a rookie set, right? A slightly bigger set, things like that. There, there can be variations to the sport, which I think is a way that this can develop. Because if you look at something like beach volleyball versus indoor volleyball, the ball's quite a bit different. Even though the exact same sport, you're playing twos in one version, you're playing six in another, slightly harder ball inside. Um, I think for maybe twos, right, maybe it's a slightly bigger ball because mm -hmm. we need that advantage defensively. Maybe if we go more of a fours route or threes, it can be a smaller ball because you have more people defending. But I think that's something that, you know, it might be a little off topic in terms of specifically equipment, but in terms of variations moving forward, I think a slightly bigger net, a slightly bigger ball, things of that sort could keep sales coming in in terms of new equipment and, like you said, novelty in the sport. And so the reason so, that we talk... Go ahead, Scott. Sorry, I was just going to say to add on the back of that, I actually, um, I know this is links again to last week's podcast on the optimal state around it, but I mean, there are some people that add the rookie legs to the pro set so that it heightens the set. And I mean, I'm not saying like everyone should do this and think about this, but I mean, it was pretty fun. And it's also a type of equipment that Spike Bull are selling, but they never really intended to sell it in the way of which we used it in the way of obviously attaching it to a pro set. But like Buddy said, I mean, potentially you could have these sort of slightly different attachments. So you could have different variations of the game, whether that's 3v3, 4v4, 2v2 for the elite scene, 2v2 for, you know, the more casual player. Could be a potential revenue route, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I'm, yeah, go, Gavin. Yeah, so I, I guess kind of the reason that we want to talk about equipment and merchandise first is because one, it, it presents the, the largest risk to someone who's going to invest in something like that. And then on top of that, I think it's it's one of the one of the things that we have to think about the most when introducing something new. So if we were to introduce a new ball, not only is the person that's developing that ball going to be taking on a, a huge amount of risk, but there's a huge, huge opportunity for the, the person that is putting in thousand to ten thousand dollars trying to develop and test and uh bring a new ball that could potentially uh bless this community with some sort of new variation um i think that i think that it's very difficult to get in on the from the hardware aspect uh i mean we have little utility items like revised lines shameless plug but uh i think i think this is one of the most difficult areas to get in but where where can we see uh where can we see serious improvements with uh, merchandise, I guess, is the question. Merchandise and uh, equipment. I think, like, where I see is that what I'm thinking about is, like, what do things in other sports need? And I'm thinking, like, like I thought about pickup basketball, right? On a casual level, if you just play basketball with your buddies, right, you just have your basketball shoes, you wear whatever clothes you have, and you just have a basketball and you go to some place. Like, as far as like the basketball industry, there is not much revenue kind of coming into this. And, but at the higher level, right, there is so much that goes into, you know, training, et cetera, highest equipment, all that stuff, as well as stuff specific to that sport. I'm thinking, right, basketball shoes, I'm thinking other sports, different cleats, you know, some, some things have more equipment than others. I think for round it is, um, 
one, maybe we're not at that level yet, right? Like there's no need for a certain round neck cleat, right? There's a debate. Everyone has their preference, right? That's a potential thing long term. Um, I think the real utility now is things that people can use to train. However, I think some of those ideas come out of kind of necessity. It's hard to make people like believe they need that, right? If you came up with a thing and it was like, hey, here's something that can help you practice your serve. I, I don't know if like that catches on as much as say it was, you know, people, everyone in the community is like, hey, I, I have this problem I need to solve. So I think, but that's where I think we're kind of physical goods, at least far as equipment wise, kind of starts for growing around well as as robotics progresses what rider could do is just record himself and like create a hand that shows you the motion of how he hits the ball <laughs> i would buy that and like attach it to my hand to feel what that is like you know no but yeah. I, and but and talk, talking in terms of like merchandise and things like that it might sound kind of goofy early on because i don't know what this would even look like but i remember as a kid the baseball bat that I wanted so bad as soon as I saw it in the stores was this Mark, McGri Mark McGuire, like, autographed bat. Obviously, he didn't actually sign it. He but autographed the it, fact that it was a <laughs> Mark McGuire Rawlings bat, I was like, that's the one I want. You know, and something down the road, maybe it's whoever wins nationals gets a custom set that has their team name on one of the legs, a picture of them on one of the legs, a picture of the state they represent. You know what I mean? Something mm -hmm. that people would want that's a limited edition type of thing, or it's a mm -hmm. certain color scheme ball that the that X amount of the top players get to create or be part of the process. I think that'd be a ton of fun and mm -hmm. something that would be engaging for the community. Again, I don't know if we're quite there and if it would generate the sales that spike ball or someone would need to make something like that happen but something that i thought of yeah, yeah i mean i immediately thought of hockey because i know there's so much equipment right there's so much equipment and i know that specifically players a lot of the time or teams have sponsors from those equipment companies to wear it right tim thomas had to wear uh he wore bauer uh, equipment and i remember i got the same pads as tim thomas because I'm like, I want these these Bauer pads. I'm thinking round net, and I'm like, there isn't too much equipment around that. Um, you can get the double clutch shirt on spikeball.com for like 12 bucks. Uh, or you can get, uh, you know, but or like knee sleeves or things. There's not much equipment, which kind of makes it a little challenging. I think that it will exist. I just don't know what it looks like right now. Something super yeah. random I just thought of, by the way, is you know how people use like turf cutouts for their no hit zone and stuff? You could have a custom no hit zone type of turf that is that has a branded assistive touch, double clutch, or a top name team. Or um, I thought of something that I'm not going to reveal on this podcast actually, <laughs> because I'm so excited about it and it's so goofy that it's it's to look forward to. But I can't say it out loud yet. That's an absolute tease. You're not allowed to it, do dude, that again. It is the tease. <laughs> That's a warning. I just That's started giggling inside. <laughs> Someone convince him. <laughs> I shouldn't have even brought it up, but I'm giggling inside thinking about how funny this could be that. Clark and I are going to hopefully put out this year, so we'll see. <laughs> okay, another shameless plug. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Um, <laughs> no shameless tease right there. It is the <laughs> super tease. He's like follow us to touch on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Buddy Hammond's around that just came out. You, hey, we're getting to that. I, we're getting I to didn't that say those out loud. You guys both plugged those for me, so I feel I feel uh, way more humble. Yeah, I he see, tricked I us. See, and I, see, us. I see. All right. But um, on a serious note, I think it leads us slightly onto the next uh, point, which is away from equipment, which is other ways to get money within the round, within the sport of round net. We obviously, your 
Roundnet program right now, buddy, is a great example of how someone can generate revenue from the sport. And we just had loads of examples, especially about, you know, merchandise and equipment. And I mean, they were all really niche, niche ideas that, you know, is there really a demand for it? But with your program right now, it's clear that there is a demand for it. I mean, how did you come up with that idea and start it and then find the demand for it? I mean, it'll be interesting just to hear uh, a little bit of background and yeah. a little bit about the program for a little bit in general for those that don't know. That's just one of those things where life works out, right? Where it's like it, it guided me down this road to somewhere that I'm now able to reach people all over the world with training because here, here's the thing is I've, I've done personal training for the last close to a, close to a decade. I'd say eight years, right? Um, I got certified in 2014. So yeah, just about eight years. Um, and the old personal training model was trading time for money, right? You had to be physically somewhere with somebody to teach them a movement, make sure they're doing it properly. And more often than not, after the first couple sessions with someone, they're doing the form right. You're just there <laughs> encouraging them, socializing, making sure they're staying on track, all that stuff. When you do it online, right, they can still send me footage of them doing the movements from the front, from the side, and I can see if their form is solid or not. And I can give them feedback to where it's fixing them already. But the way I kind of got into it with spike ball is I've done health and fitness coaching one-on-one -on -one in person. I've done boot camps. I've done all of the things. But I wanted to make sure that I could do it from anywhere because I wanted the freedom to travel and compete and meet people and not have to trade my time for money. So now, like I'm saying, the fact that I can do it with people in Belgium, I have people in Canada, I got people in London, all over the world with training is has been an absolute blessing. I kind of, I'm sure I went on a little bit of a tangent there. I don't know the original question, but. No, no, that was good. But, but sort of to refocus a tiny bit where did you find that there was a demand for this thing because obviously it's well and good but if there's no demand there's no market so when did you realize that wow this could actually be a viable you know option i don't even know if it's start? i don't even if it's that i knew there was demand i knew that it was necessary for me if i wanted to keep competing at the level that i have been right because i've been the, how i feel going into I'm, I'm gonna be 30 in five months right the way that I feel physically and mentally now is significantly better than when I was in my early 20s, mid 20s, and I was competing even harder on sand and just killing myself, honestly, right? Mm -hmm. But the things that I've done for myself, more of the yoga, the meditation and breath work, the actually warming up before I do an intense training session, be it lifting weights or hitting 150 serves, whatever it might be, has helped me feel a lot better. So in my mind, I thought, you know what? If if I can create something that replicates what I do on my own with my own training and it adds value to one other person in the community, it's the same as my mentality with getting spike ball out there in the beginning, right? If I was at the beach and I could get one person excited about playing this game, they're guaranteed going to go tell three of their friends, get a set, and now those three are hooked. And then it just branches out from there. The same thing has kind of happened with the training program, right? I figured if I could change one person's perspective about it and give them good value, I now have a testimonial that could reach other people that proves to me that this does have value and is in demand. And I'm absolutely blown away at how much it's taken off early on without too much marketing effort and just reaching out to people in, in the round net page. But I think what this made me think of buddy is that, right. You didn't really know there was a demand, but there was right. You have clients and it's working out. I think, I think timing and, with rounded is really important because 
right, pro spikers happened, which is not exactly what you did, but right, pro spikers was a online program Correct. hosted by uh, Chiswick Showalter. And as far as I'm aware, it didn't do very well, you know, commercially. Um, the demand wasn't there. Uh, and then I think similar, what it reminded me of is when, uh, right, How to Round at HTR, at a point they decided to, they wanted to go Patreon, the paid route, mm -hmm. and the fans weren't for that. And so I think we're at a time now, and of course you set yourself up in a nice space by being a coach, being a top 10 player, having a great year. Uh, but there's also the time of like, of just timing where 2021 and Roundnet was a big year sure. and there are now the community is big enough that there are the people that are interested in that and they're willing to pay for it. Yeah. And, and I think a big reason I do the program the way I do it's, it's, I honestly charge quite a bit less than I do for like one-on-one -on -one clients, but I'm still giving way too much value because I'm obsessed with round it. I'm, I'm, I'm merging two passions of my life, right? I love health and fitness and what it does for me, obviously physically, but also mentally and also the sport of round net that is so unique and once in a lifetime, like it started in our lifetime, which that blows me away. But mm -hmm. how, the reason I kind of price it the way I do is when you, if you were to charge someone 25 bucks, 50 bucks for a program, right? That lasts, I don't know, eight weeks, 12 weeks, they're going to give you that much effort, right? When you invest a small amount of money, it's exciting at first. You might crush it for a week or two. But when you invest in a coach and you pay a little bit more and you're more invested, you start showing up for yourself differently, right? And that's something that I had to work through um, with my own money beliefs and things like that early on. I've actually hired a coach and I saw the difference in my own training, even being someone that knows the ins and outs of strength training, nutrition, all this stuff. When you invest in something that you really want to create, be it business, be it a new skill, the more you invest, the more you're going to give it a strong effort. So, and that's... And it's different in the sense that how to round, it's different from a how to round net where that's teaching you how to be better at the sport. What I'm trying to implement with people is when you take care of your body and you train it with strength training and you connect with it through yoga and meditation, all these different things, you have a better mind muscle connection that translates into sports. And that's what I want to be clear on with people listening to this is it's, it's specifically with strength training, nutrition, yoga meditation versus, Hey, this is the hitting drill that we're going to practice this week. Even though I allude to a lot of that in like the group chat. Yeah. I, I'm a, yeah, a big, obviously a big fan. It's uh, great. I know some people personally that are on the, on the program and love it. And they you know, only said positive things about it. And that's obviously awesome to hear. So a little side story, right? Um, I actually spoke to David Gonzalez and Clark Marshall uh, quite a lot, uh, especially at co-ed nationals. And I just said, like, we, you know, you mentioned the uh, timing earlier, Mike. I said to Clark and I said to David, I said, look, there's, there's nothing really stopping, in my belief, uh, top level uh, American players or U.S. players in the U.S. traveling the world, traveling, especially Europe and doing clinics you know, and having the clinics fund their travel, meeting the community. I know, buddy, you're um, going to Europe soon, whether that's during this podcast comes out or, mm -hmm. you know, after or before. Um, but I know you're hitting up several locations in Europe. But I said to Clark, like, there's no way this would have been possible a year ago. There just wasn't the pool of players. There wasn't the big enough communities. But this is something that's only going to be only going to grow. And if you can be one of the first to do it, for example, buddy, I know you're going obviously again over to Europe soon. Mm -hmm. It's only going to be beneficial for you. And it, in my opinion, will it only be beneficial for the Roundnet community in like worldwide. 
the more you know cross links we can have between you know different types or different communities around the world the better it is for roundnet and i think having these clinics um in different locations is one of the biggest or one of the first steps in my opinion where you can make money from roundnet um and i spoke to clark about this at length i said look you could hit up you know london you could go to paris you could go to um helsinki you could go to stockholm and you would get you know 30 to 60 to maybe a little bit more people per session mm -hmm. charge a certain amount of money per session um that you know <laughs> that uh pays for your uh transportation and you know food you've got accommodation through the amazing roundnet community and you get to experience you know something totally new and different and you're um, building your I brand do. right yeah yeah so yeah if, yeah exactly if you do come out with something down the road be it a training program or a trippy lizard jacket you know like the those types of things that did catch on you're building your brand mm -hmm. and the the reason people will end up wanting to train with you or buy something from you it comes down to them knowing you liking you and trusting you that those are the main things that come up in sales right so the more that you can create positive experiences with someone maybe it's a voice message on instagram right the, just taking those little bits of time i've learned that that might not pay off for years right and then all of a sudden somebody reaches out way down the road to maybe work with you or buy something from you and that's that's what it's all about and i know preston had done some clinics i believe he was in europe right didn't him and Ryder go over to Europe and they ran quite a few and it covered their entire trip and they got to experience a lot of cool places. Yeah. And that was when, you know, you know, that was even before I started playing around yeah. there, you know, this was a long, I mean, this wasn't that long this ago. might've been before you, you were born, of, Scott. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't know my age. Um, but, um, no, but it was, it was quite a long time ago. I mean, the European scene has blown up since then. So, you know, that only proves that if they did it, you know, two, two and a half years ago, that it's only going to be more and more, uh, mm -hmm. there's more and more possibilities to do it now in the future. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. Scott, what that made me think of and kind of what Buddy alluded to with the brand is that what I think really challenging right now is you often have to be a first mover, right? Besides the, the Y Spike training program, which is obviously just like, a, a, not, I don't know about it, but I assume it's more of a workout plan than, what's buddy, than what Buddy is doing is right, he's the first person to do it, right? If you were to go to the clinic, go to clinics, right? Only one person, one group has ever kind of done that. So I think that's a challenge that we're in where, you know, I think it's it's scary and there's no proven way. So you have to also be a type of person that's, you know, willing to put some risk out there, willing to put yourself out there uh, and be a little vulnerable in, in order to make something work. And we've seen, you know, a few times before things have not worked. So I think that's kind of a challenge with this whole topic is, you know, I, I guess just, just being uh, a first mover, being proactive. Well, the first so time... I think the round in... No, go on, Oh, I was going to say, the, the first time that Bryce and I ever made any sort of money towards Spikeball, like outside of doing work for the company, right, was we were like, dude, how do we, how do we fund our trip to nationals? Like, we're one of the top teams. Like, we're well-known. Our friends love that we do this. What can we do? And I don't know how we thought of it, but we charged $20 for someone just to, that, that would be them sponsoring us and put their face on our jersey for nationals, right? I, I saw, I, I didn't realize it. We raised close to a grand for 2016 nationals and people were just so excited to be part of our experience, right? It was a really simple idea, but we were overwhelmed with how many people actually stepped up. And like you said, Mike, it's, it is uncomfortable putting it out there, right? 
But the thing I would challenge people, if, if you're thinking about putting any sort of thing out there, if you get nobody <laughs> to do it, you're in the exact same position you're in right now anyway, right? But at least you took the action you can adjust. The most anxiety and the most fear is going to happen before you take any sort of action. So just, just go for it, <laughs> you know? What's the worst <laughs> thing? You have a couple conversations, people say, that sounds terrible, no thanks. You adjust, you know? That's, yeah. I think that'd be powerful. Yep. I, I I absolutely love that that mentality. It's sort of it's a win-win. I mean, you don't lose anything. You're just in the same position as you was before if it's unsuccessful. And if in my opinion, I mean, again, the Roundnet community is so amazing that most people appreciate the effort, even if it was not successful or it didn't go exactly the, the way you planned it. It was just my, like Mike said, it might have been bad bad timing. But just the fact that you made an initiative. I mean, Revo. Some people like mm -hmm. it. Some people don't. But the initiative to try and change the sport or you know increase the rallies it has been such a positive you know a feeling towards revo or revo as you might say mike <laughs> um because because they're, they're trying something new and again why you was maybe so successful at 2016 nationals when you asked people to to uh you know pledge 20 dollars to have their 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 image on your shirt is because you built such a great credibility and profile within the Roundnet scene that people were looking to help people who were doing such good things in 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 Roundnet. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, that that was just your first way of thinking of making money. But you know, then when you start a Roundnet program, because your you you know your likeness and your credibility is so high, people are gonna want to jump on or get involved just because you're doing it. And what was and interesting, I think people appreciate that 2016, when I'm like thinking back on it, the majority of people on our Jersey had nothing to do with the spike ball community. It was just, we just posted on our own social medias, friends, family were like, yeah, like go, go play the big event, national event, like go win it for California. You know, it was more like a, a hometown type of pride versus the community wanting to see content. Cause we weren't really putting out content. It's different now where it's like, hey, if you guys help me get to events, I'm going to keep making videos. I'm going to keep sharing top plays. I'm going to have defensive breakdowns. Mm -hmm. And I think the more value you can give people for free, the more willing they are to throw you a couple bucks when it comes time to, mm -hmm. you know, hey, I could use some help getting to this event or fundraising for a trip to Europe just to get there, whatever that might be. Yeah, I'm, I think we're... Yeah, you got it. I'm a huge proponent of, of, of a certain saying, and I, I heard once uh, one of my mentors said, give 10 times more than you expect to receive. And I think that that definitely holds true here where giving out that free content, not only does it add to your credibility and your likeness, it, uh, it definitely, people, people come for the novelty and, and then they stay for the person themselves and the personality that's, uh, pushing these kinds of things. So, and then I kind of want to, I kind of want to do a little transition here from kind of the, uh, the clinics and the training programs and talk about where, where do you sit with specifically buddy because you you have such a influence in the community with kind of like the brand deals and the sponsorships i know you kind of spoke briefly about how you had the everyone uh signing up to have their faces on your shirt but with brands like we see like taiga stepping up and then we see pair of thieves i know that you and clark were running around <laughs> skivvies all day uh, yeah. at, at, at a california tournament and then uh so so where do you sit with that and uh where do you see that headed in the future yeah, I, I think from for me personally, right, I have to have some some sort of understanding or connection to the brand, I think, for me to represent it. Like, obviously, yeah, money's cool, but I'm not if, if it's something way out there, that, that's not going to help me. But in terms of like pair of thieves, yeah, I'm, I'm cool to wear two pairs of chonies and go fly around all day <laughs> and be, be it's it's 
cool in the sense that we can say we were the first people to ever compete in a tournament in our underwear and get paid for it, right? Like that that right there was worth it to me. Something like Tiga or Tiga, is it Tiga? I think uh, I'm not sure, but you know, it's it's a hydration product. You know, that's not full of sugar and a bunch of crap like a Gatorade. Which, yeah, if Gatorade was like, "Yo, we're gonna give you 500 bucks to play this event," I'd be like, "Done. I will drink Gatorade." You know, <laughs> in that but, case, we delete what you just said, yeah. so no one will ever hear yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> we'll we'll go ahead and cl- clear that up. But you know, I I want to have some sort of connection to it. But however, early on, I'm open to taking just <laughs> just about anything if they're willing to put their brand on it and help us get it out there. The problem is right now, I I just don't know if there's enough eyes on the sport on this is a completely different topic it has to be spectators and other outsiders versus just people in the mm-hmm. community even though there is a lot of value in us being able to post about it in the spike ball round net association page on facebook because yeah. that's yeah. got six thousand members or whatever but yeah. yeah yeah so like i think it's truthfully is it's all about kind of reach right and the companies are trying to reach the people here you know, Spikeball for the Tour Series has a lot of these big names because they're a big company with um, a lot of reach. Uh, we've seen other companies, you know, uh, sponsor and share, whether, I don't know if that's free product or money, etc., because they're trying to get into that reach. But I think the bigger thing, as Buddy's saying, is spectators, and I truthfully just think it more generally in the terms of Spectators could work for events. I think it more of like followers. I think it's all about building the brands and building those followings because although I hate it nowadays with like social media is they're like, hey, you want to come do sponsor me? And they're like, well, you have 250 followers. You know, you're not getting too much for me. And I think that's kind of where it kind of goes. And it's hard because the community is so small. This is, I guess, my own personal tangent where I think getting bigger brands to notice and sponsors in this capacity, which we'll talk about more, is about kind of coming together and enhancing each other so that you can show that there's a reach. Um, if you, if you, if you kind of know what I'm, or know what I'm I, saying there. I have a, I have a, like two really in like, I think quite valuable or important points. And I mean, I think I was talking to you about it uh, yesterday, buddy, actually uh, just a couple of mm. hours before you started your, your roundup profile. But, to start with the first point, Mike, you said that look, we need, we need more, we need more of a reach in Roundnet. You know, sponsors aren't going to sponsor events or people if their following is so minimal, right? And that's understandable. Like, sponsors aren't going to put money into something that doesn't get eyes on. A whole point of marketing is you get as much exposure as you can, which then leads to sales. You know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Of course, brand credibility and you know your organic following is important sometimes more important than having, you know, a certain thousand numbers of followers. That is very important. And that, you know, in essence is the Roundnet community we know right now. However, I do think as players and as the community, we can do more to help this grow and help in general, more numbers, um, get more numbers into Roundnet. I think one of those ways is some people aren't a fan of it, but I think we do really, we really do need to transition into having surnames as team names i think for the sport to grow i mean we we need to get away i know it's all fun and games you know you head up to this tournament um and i'm not saying for every tournament but you head up to this tournament a decent sized independent tournament sanctioned by spike well you know and you have all the names are you know uh hot and crunchy or you know uh mm-hmm. double full 
X, Y, Z, you know, you have all these team names and that's such a problem because it's so hard for people around the world or people in the US or people in Europe to follow who's playing and what's happening. I mean, the whole problem with around a few years ago is you had to follow, you know, hundreds of Instagram pages to know what's happening. We need to make this as easy as possible for people to track. We need to make this as easy as possible for people to follow. We need to have, you know, surnames as team names, unless that team is committed to playing for, you know, the majority of their career or at least a season. And even, even if they do, um, commit to playing for a season together i still think there's a huge benefit in all players having their own personal roundnet account um because again let's take let's take a perfect two perfect examples right let's take volley llamas right Wolbacone and joe bondi they have a great following they got decent sponsors i think their following is i could be wrong but three thousand it was like 2200 or something 20, 2200. Yeah. So, I only I mean, know that because really... I recently went over to their page and started following every one that followed them <laughs> so that I could get it. <laughs> smart, smart. But but the fact is, they've got a good following that they've built up over two, three years, right? And now they're not going to play together this year. For whatever reason, like they've decided to split, right? We're not going to go into that. But what happens then? They just split this Instagram page and we see this all the time. We have old Instagram pages of old teams that are now have a decent following that they built up over a year or over a couple of years and then just dies. And that's a real problem. In my opinion, if Will or Joe had started an Instagram account, you know, Joe Bondi underscore Roundnet or Joe Bondi Roundnet or Joe Roundnet Bondi, whatever you want to call underscore, it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but basically if they if they created their own personal Roundnet account, mm-hmm. Will or Joe, and they started it two or three years ago, they personally would have had two or three K followers by now. And if they'd had two or three K followers by now, then it doesn't matter what happens to the team account because Mm -hmm. they would have already grown their personal following and they wouldn't need to worry about what happens with their team account once they split. That's a, that's a really strong point, man. And and that's something I've struggled with, with social media in general, being, you know, uh, being a health and fitness coach as my main business, it's important for me to share my life in general. So people can relate to, Oh wow, he's a human being as well as a coach. But then it got extra complicated when I got back involved in competing in this sport because I'm like, okay, well, now I'm posting personal things as well as health and fitness as well as spike ball, which this connects to this, which connects to this. But this viewer doesn't really care about that thing. So having just a specific place that can be me and round net and breakdown, all of that specifically is already giving me a lot of peace of mind because I can always put that content yeah. and say, hey, exactly. if you want to go see more yeah. around that stuff, go over there. And I can still post it on my personal yep. one. Yeah. Um, and uh-huh. yeah. So this I had is... two points. Now I have three. <laughs> if I can share. Yeah. One, jump, jump, go, right. Mike, I'll go off them. So, so I created my Mike White round net that I've not really done anyone anything with. I have like 100 followers. No underscores. Mike White That's round net. Um, oh, I need, a, I, need a, I need an underscore there. <laughs> I don't even, I wish it was a little more. I mean, I wish I was just famous enough. It could just be like Mike White and people would be like, oh, that's Mike White. <laughs> um, but, buddy, it came from a similar thing, but it was more of a form of anxiety where I was like, I feel kind of uncomfortable <sighs> sharing this round net stuff with all these people that just know me from college or home. I kind of don't really want to put this here. You know, I kind of want to just be myself. And I always want to kind of be myself, but 
you know, it's it's also branding and, and extra stuff, et cetera. So that's why I created my own. It's hard, um, man. Yeah. Like I was doing women's fat loss for the most part. That was all my content was specifically <laughs> how to incorporate wine and pizza and all the things you love yeah. and still lose body fat and weight. And I'm like. And then you're like, hey, chilling with my friends. It's Bryce's birthday. Right. Um, hey, we're drinking right. a bunch of White Claws and playing beer die. And so, or, yeah. you know, it, it's really hard to separate hard. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but that was my first tangent. My second, I had two points. To Scott, I think what's really interesting to me is that although it's hard to gauge, I think people more, most of the time in RoundNet, at least in the community, maybe if you're like kind of outside and just watch from the edge, people are more player fans than team fans most of the time I see. I see people being like, no, I'm just rooting for Joe Bondi. Or is that, if they're not even rooting for the volleys, they're just rooting for Joe, right? Or they're rooting for Buddy. Um, Ouch, unless you will and right? Bobby, you just got this. But carry on. <laughs> it was a hypothetical. Don't be offended. We love you guys. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I think that's very common, and I've seen that a lot. So I think that totally I, – I, I would love for teams to exist for five years. They can build their brand and do all that stuff. But I think right now the player aspect – I think both should exist. You know, I think there actually should be both, you know, a team and a player. But I think to defend them slightly, Scott, and I'm saying I don't think they should do this. Speaking of what I was talking about, how hard it is, it's much easier, I think, to do team content than personal content. I think personal is a little more, you know, obviously personal. You kind of got to be a little different. I think it works, but I think for some people it's a little harder. It's much easier to say – Hey, this is just us. We went to the tournament. We did this. Um, so I kind of understand like that from a from a long term place, but yeah. I don't think uh, I think you're totally hit that nail on the head that they need to really just focus on the the players. So, yeah, and build their to, brands. Yeah. to to yeah. talk about both those points you just brought up and to give a little bit of personal insight as well. The reason I started my Roundnet account, and I, I don't know of too many people that had a Roundnet account before me. I mean, I mainly started it due to the fact. I mean, I'm in college, I'm uh, like division one athlete and I'm playing soccer, right? There are so few people who actually follow me that are interested in Spikeball. It's like, but there's so many things that I feel that's happening that is so interesting. Maybe not to everyone who follows me, but still just really interesting. Like if I'm heading to Prague for a weekend and I'm going to go play in a round net tournament, like I think that is so freaking interesting, but not everyone does. And I ended up getting filled with anxiety when I first started playing around there and thinking, mm, is this too much? Is there people thinking, ah, oh, he's not, he's not, he's not playing soccer anymore. or He's not that interested in it anymore. No, I'm still training, you know, X amount of times per week soccer, but I'm just not choosing to post every time I go training. I don't really have the opportunity to, um, but when I go play around there, I'm recording every game and I've got loads of content. I want to put it up. I think it's cool. I want to put it out there, but I needed to separate this, my, you know, my, my soccer identity and my round that identity. And I think that's what will benefit so many people. For example, Will is in a bit of a similar boat, you know, he's uh, at a college playing soccer and he probably doesn't want to post, you know, round that content all the time. He, you know, people are going to get bored of it because many people identify him as a student athlete soccer player. So that sort of conflicts with his identity and this is why I feel it's so important for people to have this because they can have this account on the side where everything's just in one place. You don't need to cross. You don't need to just, you can just focus on having all your rounded content in one place. And then to address your other point of saying, 
you know, some people might not want their own individual content or individual page. They might just want to stick with a team account and that's fine. Like there's no need for everyone to, I mean, it might not suit everyone. I recommend it to, to round it players, even if you're just a, you know, just a beginner, just to document your progress. Because again, that was one of the main reasons why I started. I just wanted to have some old videos, see my progression. If anyone wanted to follow, it was really cool. If not, it wasn't a problem. And then it just built on and eventually, you know, it got so much fun that it just, it went from there. And to, to also go on another tangent or point, I was watching nationals, right? My college team, my college teammates, soccer teammates, they walk in, I'm watching a uh, Rito boys pool play and they go, Oh, who's playing? Who's playing? I'm like, Oh yeah. Rito boys. Yeah. Like one of the best teams in the U S like some great players, some like, great games. And they was like, Oh really? One of the best teams. Oh, what's their Instagram? So, right, I go and say, yeah, their Instagram is like, yeah, Rito Boys on Instagram. Go check them up. And they, they search them up and like, like Scott, they've, they've got like 400, 500 followers. Like what you're telling me, this is one of the best teams in the US and they've got four, 500 followers. And I'm like, now I'm sort of having to defend, like, this is a big sport. You know, this is growing. This is nationals, <laughs> but they've got 500 <laughs> followers. And I don't know the exact number. It's around that number. Right. But either way. The fact is, if Ryder had started around that account three years ago, even if he starts it today, but say he started it three years ago, and again, no doubt he would have several thousand followers by now. And then he would have the team account on mm -hmm. top of that, whichever team he's going to be with for that year. And those 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 followers that he would have or build over a certain amount of time, they would transition into his team mm -hmm. account. Because again, like you said, people want to follow players. People need personal content in Roundnet. That's one reason why Buddy's so successful. That's definitely, yeah. That's definitely what needs to be happening moving forward. But I think the reason it hasn't been as big or as prevalent in general is there hasn't been ways to generate money. So it's kind of like, what's the point other than some ego and people liking a picture and things like that? Plus, the majority of people that I needed to reach when it came to the sport of Roundnet it was through the Spikeball Facebook page, right? Everyone that I know that is yeah. going to relate to this specific post exists yep. in that Facebook page. Obviously, that's not the case now. There's so many round net teams and individuals that are on Instagram that aren't necessarily in that per se, that mm -hmm. now we're definitely seeing the need and the potential yeah. of social media outside of it. But in, mm -hmm. in terms of my mindset, this is coming from someone that just created Buddy Hammond underscore <laughs> round net yesterday, right? I could just dive into the Facebook page and and be okay and get what I needed and my information and connect mm -hmm. with people enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is a big chicken or the egg thing where it's like we can't get these opportunities um, now, so let's not do these things. And then it's like, well, we can't get the opportunities a lot of the time because we don't do these things. I forget who I was, but I was talking to them and they're like, hey, how do you think at the beginning of the season? Hey, how do you like get sponsors? And I'm like, well, you create an Instagram, you get some following because that's what I care about. It's like, ah, we're not going to do right. that. And I think that's the thing is there are clear things that sponsors likely want, right? Content creation, right? Make highlight videos, et cetera. There's so many things you can do. And I think I, this is essentially our thing, but I think a lot of teams and players aren't doing the necessary things that you need to do. Like, I'll keep bringing it up, the Smash Bros community, right? You have to like be really big on Instagram. There was this player that like, he wasn't even, I think he was like a top 15 player, right? But he had this massive, massive esports contract because he had like 100,000 followers and people loved him, right? And you have to set yourself up in a position to succeed. Um, 
and then buddy so so like that's also on purpose right i well, i guess two things scott to scott about like legitimacy right lefty on two i want to grow as an instagram because people will check it out they'll see oh they have this many followers they're probably pretty legit of, a, of an organization right. or something like that and i think it it's it helps you it kind of stacks into it and that's how you know that helps at scale and then buddy about the facebook group like I purposefully have not been trying to engage as much in the Facebook group with the Lefty on Two stuff because I don't want it to be in this closed group. I want it to be out with the world and shared and and viewed so that I can grow, but also so that Roundneck can grow in that space. It's an unfortunate, like, I want to say necessary evil. It's not super evil, but it like kind of is. You're getting people to go to the Instagram. Public things. Yeah, you need to do these public things for the brands to grow and for the yeah. sport to grow. And it feels maybe a little bit disingenuous, but it's just like but, the game yeah. we got to play. But isn't it bit. interesting how it's evolved in general? Like this is, so the first highlight video that I made was probably, well, it was a more like a tournament recap video. Cause I was working more for spike ball. It was for the t- 2012 Manhattan beach tournament. And it was clips of everyone playing. And I posted it on, you know, I uploaded it as a Facebook video to all my friends and to YouTube and things like that. But I got discouraged from posting like my own highlight videos to just my friends because they didn't relate to it as much. Like, oh, cool, he's playing a sport. Versus nowadays, the fact that I just have some people that will find value out of it through the Facebook page, through my YouTube that's growing that I can now connect. Like, it's ever evolving. Now we introduce TikTok, and a TikTok can get 50 million views or whatever the one of Skylar diving and Ravi and all that. It's insane how it's evolving and how you can reach people and what you can use to leverage your brand to other brands. You know, it's, and, it, it blows my mind. It's, it's and very And just to exciting. build off on top of that and to address a little bit what you said, Mike, I don't think it should ever be looked upon as a chore. I, if teams don't enjoy making highlight videos, don't do it. If the teams don't enjoy making loads of content, don't do it. I think, I think I can speak on myself. <laughs> I think I can speak on all four of us right here, buddy, with your vlogs and with your content creation. Oh, man. I mean, Gavin, with making educational and like helpful videos. For the, Are you about to say that the, content the, creation the, sucks? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to say it just, uh, it's no. just, it's but, just I mean, terrible. The, but, no, but the, uh, <laughs> you know, the content creation that Gavin's made through obviously revised around that they're just helping people, educational body mechanics. It's been added such value to so many people. And the same with Mike. I mean, when you started Lefty on Two, I don't think you ever had in mind like, oh, when is the first piece of money going to come? It was literally your love for the sport. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's just a podcast, but I can see Mike's face and the way he just closed his eyes and shook his head. He's literally rolling around in money for those that can't see. Um, (laughs) No, but seriously, I mean, we, we did, we do what we do. We've done what we've done through the love of Roundnet. And that's, and that's that what I recommend anyone doing. If if, yeah. if you don't if you don't want to do that, if you don't if you don't don't have the time <laughs> to, to produce all right. these highlight videos, there's there's no yeah. stress, there's no worry. If you do enjoy it, I do it. That. I mean, because it's <laughs> yeah. so rewarding. Yeah, saying is, you can do whatever you would like. However, worse, like if you want to make money, there are yeah. probably specific uh, things you may have to yeah. do that you don't. Well, I I alluded right? to it at the end of my most recent YouTube video. I was like, I would probably throw up if i knew how, just how much time i put into this video oh. between editing clipping changing things waiting Whoa. for it to upload changing this mm-hmm. you know waiting for my freaking clearing space on my computer 
but it's it's insane. But at the same time, we all know if it. I if I were to try to break that down and be like, dude, I just made zero dollars per hour for X amount of hours. Or oh my okay, God. that's the thing it's, is you can't. That's like I did my I did my lefty on two finances. It's like okay. Well, so this is just transparent, but it's also a joke. It's like, yeah. okay, I lost this much this year. Is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. I lost some, and then it's like, okay, how much? How much did I? How much time did I spend? Right. Also, you have to ask, like, <laughs> is this adding value to my life? And and in my personal experience, I am laughing out loud when I watch something back and I see Michael Sue do something stupid on video, or I have Chandler who's yelling across to a different game who's right in front of the camera, and I'm losing it. I'm like, I get to relive this. Mm -hmm. Plus, it's something that's going to add value to my life years from now. Like Scott was saying, I get to look back and see what the sport was like, what the community was like, how was I playing, how am I similar, how am I different? So it's it's going to add value beyond monetary, you know, exactly, like yep. relief essentially. But but it's it could also be something that is like I'm saying generating income down the road so when I do come out with a specific t-shirt or something in my video maybe happens to go viral because it was so hilarious you make a t-shirt out of it and you sell it and you make a couple hundred bucks and you never know what could happen from it but you do have to enjoy the process otherwise it'll eat you alive <laughs> it just it just and plain will like like Scott said with with people creating their own individual round net accounts all I think that does is you have these like little buckets of attention now so like instead of being Will Piconi, you're Will Piconi underscore Roundnet, and you're not posting stuff about your social life, and you're not posting things about college or soccer. You're posting things about Round Roundnet specifically, and th this is to an open forum, public public uh, forum where anyone is welcome to see it. They can show up on the Discover page, and all that does is generate more eyes on the Roundnet community. I think that's such a, an important aspect of it. Like not only only having more people looking at Will Piconi and him just playing around it. And he, but, but really the most important thing is people becoming more, I guess, comfortable making content and putting themselves out there. And the more content that gets produced, the more eyes and the more market share of attention that we take up as a round net community. And like, I think it, it's, it's cool to have the teams come together as a page, but I mean, you can really only make team content when teams are together. Really, when you, at the end of the day, when you fall back on it, as, a, as an individual, you can post pickup. You can post what your workout was for the day based on Roundnet. You can post, you can, the, the limits are endless. And like, what, or if you what, mash up with someone that isn't your main teammate, you need somewhere to post that content. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. see it. Good point. So you post that on Buddy I, I think a Roundnet. separate thing is, is you can also just be yourself there and build your personal brand inside this mm -hmm. Roundnet ecosystem, yep. right? What is this person like on their day to day? And it's like, okay. Maybe I don't care, but like I kind of like them at Roundnet, so like I'm kind of like curious. If we saw, you know, right? Like, what do they eat before they go to well, bed? Look, you, know? if you saw it. You saw a day in the life of Ryder, a day in the life of Joe. Would you watch it? Yeah, you would, because you see how good they are at Roundnet. And, yep. and again, there's yeah. always going to be a threshold. There's going to be some certain players that you're not going to be interested in, but you're also then interested in the fact that they have done it, that they actually put the effort and time into doing it, and they was one of the first to do it. I'm. I mean. How yeah. How many how many of you have watched a video of uh, Frederick Hinkle eating oh, cinnamon toast crunch? Say I. I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And That's if you haven't, you're a liar. Like, yeah. I just I I saw him post about it today. I don't think I've ever seen him eat, but I I would watch Frederick. He does videos. I would watch Frederick do anything. I, yeah. I just want to be a fly <laughs> on his wall. Yep. Oh god. This is what I, I want to. Yeah. I want. I need what to I lift with him one time and just see how many, just deep grunts <laughs> he gets out when lifting heavy. Two octaves lower than you. 
He what? <laughs> I wanted to say this earlier, so I'll just say it now. If you put out any piece of content at all, I respect you so much. Like, it is, like, unbelievable how much respect I have for you. Like, it is, it is just, it is not a good, it is a hard, it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing emotionally to put yourself out there, to actually do the work and put things together, um, and to generate skills. Some people put together highlight tapes in, like, in, like, a day. And I had stared at mine for two weeks and got too stressed out and made someone to do it. That's so funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> so... I just wanted to say that, like, if you're, maybe this gets you mm -hmm. excited to do it, uh, but you're also nervous or you've thought about it before, like, it is rewarding and also, like, you know, just know that people that do it also understand, yeah. like, and what it's like. Don't to be do afraid it. to yeah, do it differently, just, too. Yeah. Be unique. You know, like, yeah. I've, I'm going to be, I'm going to be completely honest. There, I, if someone takes the time to make a highlight video and post it in that Facebook page, I click on it and I'll start watching it. But if it doesn't keep me engaged, I have no problem turning it off. I'm, I'm going to be honest because people tend to do it the same way without putting yep. their own yep. flair into it. Right? And I yeah. think that's why I'm, I'm okay investing X amount of time into a vlog that is completely different content than anyone's ever seen with the microphone underneath and talking to different players and highlighting different stuff because it's giving someone a fresh take on what's going on in the community. Yep. Right? And that's what's needed. It adds it adds value differently. Like, and that's, you know, trust me, I'm all for ace compilations and just putting music over your top plays and things like that. But I don't know. There's different reasons to do different pieces of content. But it, again, it's okay to do it mm -hmm. differently and somebody will relate to it. The people that relate to it are the ones that you're going to stay exactly. in your network. I totally agree. And that also, again, what we talked about earlier, that builds brands, that builds personalities. And if anything, we need more storylines in around that. We need more people we can relate to uh, because again, team storylines are great, but if people can build more personalized content, well, now we've got faces, people to follow. We've got more storylines and that's what we need for the sport to grow. And I mean, yeah, just doing, doing things in different yeah. way, making content in different ways is just a great way to do that. We're, well, what I what I wanted to shout out real quick too that it just crossed my mind is the fact that Cole Modell, Cole Modell right towards ACL at Nationals, and he's been posting a ton on the story about mm -hmm. his recovery, and he just posted today. He's like, this is he said something like, this is my uh, this is. What's the word I'm looking for? This is my punishment. Oh, said, this is my, my punishment for having yeah. never trained legs is now I have to do it four <laughs> times a week because he's rehabbing his knee. But it's fun to watch that journey. People people love to see the progression of your cut serve or the progression of getting healthier and things like that. And that's something that hopefully encourages someone out there to share their story, their individual yeah. story. Hilltop is a great example of a brand. I know this is at our, at our outline, but it like truthfully matters. At, at Boston tournament this year, Right, obviously it was in the east, but like there was everyone was cheering for Hilltop. And it was just like why? And it's like, well, they've been a team for what, six years. They have a big following, they're funny, charismatic guys. Like it's 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 the prime example of what it is. And I also think, you know, they've all they also had a year where they didn't even play. Two years they didn't even play, right? Cole's gonna be out next year. I guarantee that channel continues to grow. Because they're just, they're doing it exactly right. But I think they're also just, one, they did it because they wanted sponsors. Like, they had sponsors way back in the day. Uh, they're also just, I think, having a good time yep. 
kind of just making that content. And that's the thing. They're just having a good time. Yeah, that, I think that's part of it. Yeah. it. It ties back to enjoying the process, right? The, like, Cole, I think Cole and Max Modell made, like, a how to round net type of thing. Oh, okay. I forget what his was called. But he had, like, an round app. Roundnet drills, I think. An app. Yeah, yeah I think it was called yeah. Roundnet drills. And I, came, I stumbled across it randomly. I was like, wait. Mm-hmm. this is." And I was like, I reached out. I was like, when did you make this? And how did I not know about it? How much time do you put? He was like, yeah, it's just kind of like a side mm-hmm. project, this and that. Like, that de- that's dedication. That's enjoying yeah. the fact that you get to teach somebody a new skill and help them improve and adding value to someone's life. And I think, again, if, if the only reason you are doing it is money, find something else that adds value to your life for your reason behind doing it. And, mm-hmm. and training for me is I get to watch someone progress. I get to watch someone become happier and healthier. And that's that's right. enough for me. That's why I'm allowing myself to charge less than I would a one-on-one client yeah. because now I get to watch it translate literally into someone's highlight video which has happened and i'm like this is this is gold yeah there's different layers you know you have like just people doing what you want to do because you enjoy it right and then on top of that you can say okay can i make money from this reasonably like that's a reasonable thing right and then i think there's a separate thing of how can we as a community create more outside money because i think one is hey, how can you get money from people in the community, which is not great, but I'll, like it's fine, right? If you have value, that's totally right. Like, you know, um, but I think the separate thing, which we kind of were talking about a lot more is how can you get outside money in? And I think we're, we kind of hit both, both things there. You know, what you do will grab attention from, from everyone inside and out. Uh, yeah. I will also, I'd love to add the point of the, uh sort of goes into our next topic a little bit but i would just love to say that people have always said how do we get money into around it i know we've talked about a lot of different potential avenues right but no one seemed to have talked about the potential of making some sort of documentary or series i know we've been on, on espn or spiteball you know the brand and Roundnet has been on espn several times and you know spiteball sales skyrocket as soon as it hits the page or hits uh, the tv and look, that's understandable. It's bringing exposure, bringing eyeballs towards the sport. But is there another way that we could also help grow the sport and get more exposure? And I truly believe some sort of documentary, either a documentary regarding Spiteball's progression as a company, a uh, documentary potentially worlds, a uh, documentary potentially of the, you know, the 2022 season, whether that comes from a team personally or just in general, a general following of the 2022 season. I just, I think there's a massive, massive opportunity for someone to do this. Uh, and it really would, you know, t- could take round to the next level. Just a perfect example is look at Queen's Gambit. Look at the sales Chess had online after Queen's Gambit hit Netflix. Now I'm not saying you might be able to produce something as good as Queen's Gambit, but just being able to produce a three series episode of 30 minutes or an hour and a half documentaries documenting worlds like wow how that could just oh that could you know take the sport to the next level in regards to exposure and i I just shared something in the chat here on the zoom that was a project for one of my friends in college she had to make a documentary and we were always playing spike ball at on campus sdsu and she put together like a what is it 10 minute again this isn't the exact thing but it is documenting the progression of the sport within Southern California and colleges and, you know, just a little bit about it. But I, I fully agree, man. Some sort of documentary will definitely, I think it's going to happen in terms of just how much it has evolved 
right? And the company, and it's got such a cool story for those people that might not know. 1989 was when it was first on the market. Chris Reuter, the owner now, he bought a set or had a set as a kid, kept playing over the years, revamped it, all that stuff. So it's like it definitely has a cool story. And now I feel like over the last just few years, honestly, and Mike can probably attest to this too, like, yeah, there's been competitions and tournaments, but it seems like in the last few years is when it's gotten very more, like a lot more targeted towards becoming a spectator sport right before it was just we're still dialing in rules and tournament structure to to an extent but it's now more switching to okay how do we get more people to watch this and be able to follow along with you know maybe the last names being the team name things like that but that's all gonna happen in time but if some if anyone out there (laughs) wants to do a documentary i think that'd be incredible so that kind of made me kind of made me think that like the the concept of having like a documentary and I just think the most important thing moving forward is that we develop more creative narratives. Like we we have to have an avenue for players to collaborate on more than just like a, I mean Jacob Perry did like he did Corn Spike, which was cool and I found that every time that we he posted in the group talking about or posting one of the highlight videos. If those who aren't familiar, Corn Spike was it started when a. Uh, coronavirus for first hit and Jacob Perry from California, he was posting like once every month or once every two weeks, he would post uh, pickup highlights that was labeled corn spike episode blank blank. And it just like, it, it, it was just like all the other highlight videos I found, but because it was just labeled episode one of, or episode two of season, I found myself clicking on it more often. And I think one way that we could do that is uh, like, I think for revised we'll sneak preview, I think I'm going to start something called 10 detail where I pick a specific skill and do some, some sort of short bit where we talk about, oh, this is why your cut serve does generate. And then uh, on top of that, getting people to like better know. So I, 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 I digress, but I, I was been watching a ton and ton of uh, moonshiners recently. And I've never tasted moonshine. I don't care about moonshine, but I love the people in the show. They just crack me up. So like if we could introduce, I think Roundnet and Spikeball as a community just has such cool characters. And to be able to introduce the outside world world to these characters is going to be such an important part of the growth and the outreach moving forward. I, I, I want to find more creative ways to do that and collaborate with everyone because I think that'd be really special. I I just to build off this i totally 100 percent agree and a little idea i had which i would love to see communities do over the next couple of months you know years is do you guys remember the uh round association spikeball round association they used to do those friday friday uh, features feature fridays quality right it was really cool just to just to see a decent background of some uh, top level players gain a decent understanding to who they are as a person all right i thought they were great right and I'm sure a lot of people who have seen them thought they were great too and sort of missed them a little bit because, again, they they promoted profiles and names and faces within the round there. But to build off that, I would love, absolutely love, for round communities across the world, here in the US, here in Europe, here in you know other communities, Asia, wherever, to do a like a profile Friday or a feature Friday of their own where they interview one of their members or one of, you know, one of their... Uh, you know, very um, prevalent members of their community and just do a 60 second reel. Them talking to the camera um, with some highlights over the top, a little bit of info about their community. And just so we can get some names and faces of these different communities around the world. The perfect example is Saya. 
he uh, he's the man behind the camera of Stockholm Spike, which I'm sure we've all seen some videos of how good, how well they're produced, right? The dude's a wizard. <laughs> he's an absolute wizard with a camera, video camera editing. Unbelievable, right? And I had the pleasure to meet him and such a lovely guy, along with, you know, the, almost everyone I've met through the Rounder community. But I would just love for, you know, Stockholm Spike, for just an example, just to get him in front of a camera, get someone in the Rounder community in front of a camera, make a 30 to 60 second reel, you know, formatted in uh, nine by 16, and just have them talking to the camera. Just let me let me just like see you put a name to face and just have a few highlights. Tell me a little about your community. Tell me a little bit about yourself. If just if every roundnet community did that, you know, once a week, once a month, oh, I would just it would help it would help communities connect and it would just bring so many more names and profiles into the community, which again we need yeah. for the sport to grow. Yeah, Scott, a small little example of that. Um, my my girlfriend had like an amazing point. She read uh, the preview I wrote for USA Roundnet, and she's like, I mean, she's like, I, I liked it, but I read these names, and I just don't know who they are. And I was like, that makes so much sense. I write it, and I know everyone, so I assume everyone does, right? And it's like some sort of – so in the future, I plan to add some sort of kind of document that's just name and faces. Mm -hmm. So people – like, right? So if I showed her a picture of people, she'd probably be like, oh, that's, that's that person, right? But – just the, the names are so hard. And I think it's all these little things that can really just help us massively grow. Oh, I saw that person on the feature Friday. Oh, in the preview, I saw I saw the whole thing, right? Is there any way you could just like yes. overlay the mouse yeah. over their name when it pops up a picture? I don't know. Maybe that's what I got to do. All yeah. right. You got a project, <laughs> man. Yeah. But it was like I was but it was such a good insight because I'm like, in my perspective, I don't even think about that. But for so many people, that is like just a game changer. And it's the same. We're talking on this podcast, but some people might not know who Will is, you know, Will Bacconi. Some people might not know who everyone is. Like we can't assume knowledge, especially when there's not a database or a place to go to where you can find all this knowledge. We need to make it easy for people to see this stuff. And, you know, having these Feature Friday type of reels or interviews for these different communities around the world would be a perfect mm -hmm. place to start. Buddy, you look like you're itching to say something. No, I'd, I'd like that. that. That's awesome. I loved the feature Fridays. We did that when we, when we were trying to grow women's round net in general. We were just trying to get more lady ballers. Me and Bryce would be at the beach, and we would just interview any of the girls that would play with us, whether it be someone of our friends or someone that just played for the first time and get their, you know, their opinion about it, trying to get more women to play the game. And I, I think it was pretty effective, honestly. That I had, was I had people 2014? reach out. Oh, dude, this is vintage. Again, I don't even think – I don't even know if Scott was born at this point. But, like, no. we, we honestly would just – get a story about their sports background and why did they enjoy the game and what was their takeaway like i don't know it was just it was very fun like you said putting personality to it is is amazing and there's some personalities man there's mm. some there's some people in this community that i think would thrive with that yeah and exactly like when uh, wonky sauce beat uh sloppy seconds ezra goes you should probably interview wonky sauce because people want to know who they are and i was like <laughs> that that was a perfect perfect idea right yeah. like yeah, they do, right? And as world's approaching, yeah. it's the exact same case for communities around the world. People want to know who I'm going to be competing against at worlds or 
you know, who I'm going to be watching on these highlight videos or watching on the streams when it comes to Worlds in September. That's why I'm going to Europe, dude. I got to do, I got to do some recon. That's why we send Ravi over there. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So Ravi, <laughs> Ravi's the spy. He's the first spy. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I travel around as much as I can, just to prepare. Just to yeah, prepare. there's something fishy about how many questions Scott's been asking me lately. I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh. You've been hanging out a little too much, Mr. Peak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, like, in all honesty, like, I think I've, I mean, I've said pretty much everything I like to say around this topic i think we've covered a lot about bringing money into the sport how we bring money into the sport potential avenues we can do what we as players can do to help that process and even you know eventual you know um you know unique avenues that we could take by doing uh -huh. these documentaries or vlogs or episodes i mean just on a thought that i had only a couple of days ago like I'm planning on vlogging my process of worlds this year, you know, making it a four or five series uh, series of containing four or five episodes, like one uh, GB selection, two preparation for worlds and make some highlights of some like uh, events I played during the summer, you know, three, the day of the tournament, et cetera, et cetera. Because I think pe people want to see that look. And I've always had it the way that if one person watches it, it's very similar to you, buddy. If one mm -hmm. person watches it and it adds value, that's awesome because I'm doing it one for myself. One is greater than zero. Exactly. Wow. And I'm it's, doing it, it sounds so goofy. You so have true. to believe it. <laughs> it. But it's so it's so true. And it, look, if no one ever watches it, you're so happy because when you, you know, you finish and you've stopped playing around it 5, 10, 15, 20 years, that's sooner for you than it is for me in the future. What, what, you, bro? I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the first, the first AARP sponsored player. Like, I'm gonna be 65 out there ripping cut serves, and who knows what the sport will be. Uh, but yeah, your Twitch reflexes might be a tiny bit slower. But uh, but Challenge anyway, accepted. back back to the point. I just think um, it'll be so much fun for me to watch at a later date. Yeah. And again, if anyone watches it, that's that's awesome. If not, no, that that's that's how it goes. But having fun in the journey and potentially relating to one, two or several other people is, you know, rewarding in itself. Dude, it is so nostalgic to watch videos back. Mike can, Mike can attest to that too. Like you probably watch videos of when you played on with spicy and stuff. And it's like, you, you don't even recognize yourself. I'm always like, this was this long ago. Like, <laughs> oh, what? Like, what? The, the I'm, I'm, it's more just like, what happened? Yeah. I need like, to make a video happened? showing us playing at the first tournament or like early tournaments and the the serving boop <laughs> versus what's happening now, bro. Oh, crazy! There, no, there, I will send you guys the clip if you haven't seen it. It's highlights from. Uh, I think this is honestly this is like I've been playing for almost a year at this point. <laughs> I've been playing for almost a year, and it is like abysmally bad. Uh, <laughs> dude it's it is not it is not an easy sport to just like pick up and do you know what i mean like it so takes this, yeah takes time at this point i had gone to one i went to yeah. one tournament in the fall and then this was the next summer i went to this tournament you guys just watch it just watch it later i'll, uh, send I'll the send link. it in the chat we add the link to the podcast for anyone that wants to watch it but on that oh note i would also love buddy right i would a favor of you i want you to do buddy i want you to find your serves from you know however many years ago and you know what you know what Ryder did at the start of his highlight video for for vegas when he done the you know he overlapped two videos one was a cut one was a reverse cut 
<laughs> I want you, I want you to overlay a couple of your serves from 2012, whenever, to Ryder's serves now, or even your serves now. You can choose. I can make that happen. But I would love, love to get. Make sure the camera oh, is quite bro. similar, but just overlay it for me. Make it 15 seconds, or make it 30 seconds long. Well, I even just, I, I should that. just show a serve. A serve a year, you know what I mean? Oh, I was watching videos of us playing yes, in 2015, yes. 2016. You would just, it was probably actually even, it might have been earlier. You just had, you could serve as hard as you wanted at a certain point from like four and a half, probably even yeah. closer. And it, it wasn't was like even hard, feet. right? It wasn't <laughs> even hard. No, you could just rip it as hard as you want, as long as it was straight at them and not over their extended arm over their head, which is uh, also very subjective. Very For funny. reference, I've seen two on one hits in this video so far. <laughs> Love that. Love and, and that. And they were, they were dug, obviously. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, uh, no, I'm excited, man. Oh, Mike, I was going to ask, while we have you here, uh, what's it? When are we gonna start getting yeah. like a like a monthly yeah. spike ball trivia? Like, bring on four players and ask trivia of it because you are you're the you're the wizard with that stuff. Uh, you gotta get David and Gonzalez involved. Done. He's, you he's two, always you my and fact Dev, checker. You and David host it. It could be a PRA lefty on two sponsored trivia type of thing. I people people would eat that. That could Ugh. be nice. I honestly, so I I love the idea. I always find the challenge of just like how much stuff is just like so ridiculously obscure that like <laughs> even even unless you were there, you would know. I think that's the different thing. Is yeah, that's a good point. Is is right? How is Scott supposed to know much? pre his time because it's not like we don't have a sra classic you know or like all this extra kind of stuff so that's something that i've been struggling with when i did the trivia this past year before nationals i was like like how much of this stuff is just like people have no idea and they would definitely have no definitely idea start ever, like a, a, a fat yeah, and everyone yeah, has to fair. pay a dollar for entry <laughs> As soon as you get, as soon yeah. as you uh, give the dollar for entry on Venmo, you get into the Kahoot, and then you can uh, can answer all the questions. Whoever wins gets the pot. That'd be fun to do. Like, I feel like you're already talking, you're already thinking about how, how to you make, make money, money around that. <laughs> That's exactly. how you make money. Wow. I do Kahoot it because I want to add value. It's it's the value to the community oh, there. Sure, whatever you say. We'll take fifty. It's a fifty-fifty. Hey, we'll hey, 50. based on last week, got, I'm not giving any of that money. You know that. Spikeball trivia is not my forte. As we found out last week with the uh, some old rules. Uh, Who's going to have the first Spikeball OnlyFans? <laughs> oh, my God. Considering you just brought it up, I think you've already thought yeah, about it. Fine. Fine. So it's probably you. You and Clark in the pair of thieves. Yeah, I think. Wait, 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 wait. You and Clark in a yearly calendar. A oh calendar. Repping pair of thieves January to December. Okay, Scott, remember you, that whole thing that I wasn't going to tell people about that I was just teasing? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That ain't it. That ain't it. That ain't it. That ain't it. Uh, All right, I'm bringing that up to Clark and I are going to sit down and talk about sponsorships and what that might look like in in the next few <laughs> days. So uh, a calendar, man, that is that's a quality. Yeah, it'd be funny. I'd love to see that. Um, yeah, is there anything else we want to talk about? We've left out. I feel like we've uh, yeah gone through a lot, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed everything we've talked about so far. Um, is there anything we've missed, or anything anyone would like to add before we uh, check out? No, I had fun. That was, I, I love talking stuff. <laughs> you love talking, I love stuff, talking stuff, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I've, I didn't say. I would like to. I would like to end this with saying I didn't have a single curse word. I was close twice. And I'm, but I'm very. I'm very proud of that. That's impressive. Thanks. Yep. I'm proud My dad was a mechanic. I had, you know, it's tough. Bad mechanic. Yeah. You need to rewire it. <laughs> Thank you, buddy, for joining us. 
Thanks for having me. I don't even know. I'm not even sure what this podcast is going to be yet, and it's really exciting to me. <laughs> yeah, this is actually just for fun. Yeah, cool. we don't, we're not going to share these. <laughs> this we is, talked about yeah, sharing. Just we're just a, this is part of Scott's some conversations. an elaborate ploy to get you to talk It's part to of us. Scott's Secret Service stuff he's doing for uh-huh. the UK, man. I don't know. <laughs> Hello, it's Mike again, and thank you for listening to this episode of That RoundNet Podcast. I'll give another quick thanks to our guest, Buddy Hammond, for joining. Make sure to follow him on Instagram at BuddyHammond underscore RoundNet. While you're there, also check us out at That RoundNet Podcast. Again, I've been Mike White. On behalf of myself, Scott Beeks, and Gavin Brokema, I want to thank you again for listening, and we hope to see you for the next one.